This is back in February. I had to make a journey up to Philadelphia for a meeting with our general board of pensions. It was a busy day at work. It was one of those crazy days. And, and I was working as hard as I could and, and finally realized if I don't leave now, I'm going to miss my plane. And so I, I left the office and I rushed home as fast as I could, changing clothes, grabbing my bags, threw them in the car, and I headed off to the airport. I mean, it was already a pretty cold day in Oklahoma. And what I didn't realize at that moment was I'd left behind my heavy overcoat lying on the sofa. I'd been in such a hurry, I just flat forgot it. And I'm driving away and I get all the way to the airport and I get out and when I step outside, it's like, wow, it is cold. And I looked in my car and I didn't have anything. I had not packed any kind of sweater or jacket. I had on a very thin, long sleeve shirt and that was it. I already knew that Philadelphia was seven degrees. It had a foot of snow on the ground. The wind was howling. I did not have time to turn around and drive back home to, to go get a, a coat. I didn't have time to call Martian to say, could you please bring me a coat? I was going to go to Philadelphia in nothing but a long sleeve shirt and look like an idiot and freeze to death. As I'm heading on into the airport, I'm suddenly thinking, no, no, they have those kiosks where they're always selling sports sweatshirts and things like that. And so I hurry in as fast as I can to see if I have a few minutes to go get a sweatshirt. And I get into the gate and I run over there. And sure enough, they actually have sweatshirts on sale. $40 sweatshirts are on for $19.95. The only problem was they were sold out of TCU and Baylor and SMU and OSU. All they had was OU sweatshirts. Now, most of you know that I was born in Texas. <laughs> Some of you would say that that was a blessing. Some of you would say I'm being punished. But I can't help where I was born. I was born in Texas, and I grew up in Texas. And, and yes, I did go to the University of Texas. But you know, I said when I came here 25 years ago, I said I am going to root for the great schools of Oklahoma 51 weeks out of the year. And I have done that through the years. The truth of the matter is, over these last 51, or these last 25 years, I've come to know so many people down in Norman and up in Stillwater. So many people who are coaches and help to lead the schools, as well as so many incredible friends, that I find that you know, I really do become passionate about both of our schools when they're playing football, basketball, baseball throughout the year. And you come to days like yesterday, and I really feel pretty conflicted. Kind of. <laughs> and so I found myself standing there in this kiosk, and I don't know what I would have done had they had lots of other sweatshirts there, but I, I'm thinking seven degrees. I got out my $20 bill and I bought my sweatshirt. I carried it onto the airplane. We flew up to Philadelphia and I got off and now it was late at night and it was cold. Seven degrees, a foot of snow, the wind is howling. I'm with a friend of mine 
who is in a motorized wheelchair. We sit on the same board together. We had lined up a special taxi for disabilities, and yet something got messed up and it wasn't there. And so I'm now responsible for running out into the snow, trying to hail taxis, trying to go check out when one looks like it might be for us. We're calling the taxi cab company. What's wrong? Can you get us someone here? And I'm going out and I'm coming in and I'm going out and I'm coming in. We were there for an hour and a half. It was now 1130 at night. And I'm spending most of my time standing in the snow. It is cold. I am tired. I am ready to be at this meeting. I I came back in the airport and I was standing there beside the door looking outside for some sort of a taxi and I'm standing there when a gentleman walks by and he suddenly hollers, Boomer! I know the answer. (laughs) And and I got to tell you, two things went through my mind all of a sudden. First of all, I thought of my son-in-law, Andy. Andy is such an avid OU fan. Having graduated from there, he taught me the answer. I, I thought about my daughter who graduated from OU and my son from OU Medical School. I thought of them and What would they think about me at this moment? I looked at that gentleman and I thought, here is some alumni who was thinking, what's this other alumni going to say? Am I going to be rude? Am I going to ruin his night? Him going, what's the matter with you? He had hollered, boomer. I stood there for a moment at 1130 at night in seven degree weather. And I dug deep and I hollered, Sooner. He smiled, gave me a thumbs up. I smiled, gave him a thumbs up. He walked on his way and I turned and went inside back to my friend. And I just got to be honest. I found this smile growing from ear to ear. As I thought about it, I'd done the right thing. And you know, it's fun to be nice. This morning, I want to continue on with a sermon series. It's fun to be nice. We live in a crazy world right now. A world that is so polarized. A world of such extremism. Whether it's religion or politics. Whether it winds up being uh, on social issues. I mean, you listen to the rhetoric in our political campaigns and just how rude and mean it is at times. Right now, we cannot elect a Speaker of the House because no one wants to tackle the meanness and the divisiveness in the, uh, the Congress. You know, we have terrorism going on around the world with extremism. We have shootings on our campuses. You know, it is easy to find yourself becoming depressed, Cynical, afraid, mean-spirited, almost as a defense. But we as people of faith know we have a different choice. 
as people of faith, you and I can respond to the world in a different spirit. It's because of our faith in Christ. It's because of the gift of God's grace. We can choose to be kind in the face of polarization and divisiveness and meanness. We can choose to do the right thing. We can choose to be kind. And what we discover is it really is fun to be nice. It's what Peter discovered in our scripture lesson this morning. It's a great scripture lesson for this. You see, the story really is all about a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Roman and he was a soldier. He was a centurion. Now all those things would make you hated by the Jews. They knew right off the bat they would not like you. You're a Roman. You're a a soldier. And on top of all that, you're a Gentile. Jews did not associate with Gentiles or especially Romans. But Cornelius was a God-fearer. Now a God-fearer is someone in those days who who wanted to worship Yahweh, God of Israel, but was not circumcised, didn't follow kosher laws, didn't live by Jewish means. No, they were a Gentile, but they loved God, and they seemed to live by that morality. No, what it says is he prays a lot. He uses his power. He is a powerful man to bless life. It says he gives of his alms generously. That is, he gives a lot of his money to bless the poor. No, he is a man who is generous with his money, his time, his influence. He is a good man, a God-fearer. But in spite of all that, Peter knows he isn't going to like hanging out with someone who's unclean. He's not going to like someone like this. And God's about to ask him to go and be kind. And that's a tough thing to do. When you don't feel like being kind, when you know you're not going to like the other person, it's God's grace that calls us to go and do the right thing. Because it is fun to be nice. How does Peter do it? How are we called to do it? what I want us to think about. I think the scripture tells us three important things. First of all, you have to listen to God with your heart. In our scripture lesson, we read how Peter goes up on top of the house. He's up on the roof. If you were here last week, you'll remember we talked about the four friends who went up on top of a roof. The roofs were flat to dig a hole to let down their friend. Well, Peter now goes up on the top of a roof. It is flat, and there he goes to pray. And while he is praying, he looks up, and here comes this sheet down from heaven. It represents the four corners of the earth, and it comes down with all these unclean animals and reptiles, and the voice says, Rise, kill, and eat. And Peter says, I've never done that. I would never do that. Do not call unclean that which God has made clean, the voice says. And it goes back to heaven. And then it comes down a second time as a vision. And the same exact words are said. Rise, kill, eat. I'd never do that. It's unclean. Do not call unclean that which God has made clean. It goes back into heaven. And then to just make sure that Peter gets it, it comes down a third time. Comes down a third time, same words, goes back into heaven. 
And that's why I love the first verse of our scripture lesson today that said, and Peter was perplexed what this means. God had told him three times what it means to be clear about it, and I'm still perplexed. What does it mean? The reason Peter's perplexed, he doesn't want to hear the message. He didn't want to hear how often God tries to speak to us, but we don't want to hear. We don't want to hear what God has to say sometimes. There are times we don't feel like being nice. We don't want to be nice to that person. We don't listen. I've been telling you about Bob Golf and his book, um, Love Does. And he tells a, a story of when he, he got married. He married a, a lady named Maria. And he said she was so nice, far nicer than him. He always calls her Sweet Maria. And he says in the first year of their marriage, Sweet Maria became convinced that Bob had a hearing problem. She wouldn't be the first wife to make that assumption. She became convinced that, that her husband Bob had a hearing problem, so she scheduled him an appointment with an audiologist to go and have a hearing test. And so they went in to have a hearing test, and Bob said it was pretty amazing what they do. You, you go get in this padded room and put these headsets on. Doctor sits in another room and sits in this room, and you can tell they're making a, they push a button, and it's supposed to make a sound. And if you hear the sound, then you push a button so they can see that you heard the sound. And he said, sometimes they're so high, it's a dog whistle. And sometimes it's so low. And then it sometimes sounds like a scratching on a chalkboard. He said, I felt like I was hearing lots of sound. And whenever he did, he'd hit the button. He felt like the test went well. Finally, when it was done, the, uh, the doctor got the three of them back together. And the doctor looked at Bob and said, you have great hearing. You do not have a hearing problem. You don't listen. I want to read you what Bob had to say. I was just being lazy and selective in what I heard, tuning out anything I didn't want to hear. During the diagnostic report, Maria was tapping her foot and giving me the eye. She told the doctor she'd been telling me for some time that my hearing was just fine. I just wasn't listening. I don't remember hearing her say that. I realized that what was understandably so frustrating for Maria was a similar issue I have with God. What I mean is, I only hear the things from God I want to hear. And it makes me wonder if He doesn't think I'm going a little bit deaf. God doesn't speak to me with an audible voice. So rather than spending time wondering why I don't hear audible voices, I just try to listen harder with my heart. How often we want God to speak, but we don't hear God because it's not a message we want to hear. For Peter, he didn't want to hear all food is clean. He didn't want to hear you need to go be nice to the Gentiles. That's not a message he wanted to hear. But be it ever to Peter's credit, he had such a love for God, such a trust in God's love for him, that he could hear a message that he didn't want to hear. And he decided to go be kind. Which is the second thing 
when you listen with your heart, you then begin to see the needs around you. When you and I listen with our heart, we know the right thing to do. We know the people God has called us to be. And when you and I will slow down enough to listen, to get back in tune with God, it opens our eyes. And you see the many opportunities you have around you to be kind, to be nice. For Peter, he made the journey. Three men are coming to the door. And when they came, he left with them and he traveled with them to Caesarea. And when he got there, it says that Cornelius came out to meet him. You see, Cornelius knew that a Jew would never go past the threshold of a Gentile's home. A Jew would never come in and sit down and eat unkosher food, unclean food. And so he came out to be with Peter, to be nice. And Peter said, let's go inside. Wow. I hope you understand how significant this was. That Peter says, no, I see something here. Let's go inside. And so they went inside to be able to eat unclean food with a man who should be declared unclean. But Peter saw something more because he was listening with his heart. I heard recently of a story of a, of a lady named Rebecca Garvison. Rebecca lived up in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Her husband Gary was stationed uh, um, down at uh, um, Fort Rural, um, Alabama. And they just had a little baby, Riley. And she'd been planning this surprise trip to travel down to Alabama and to surprise her husband. But that meant she had to get on that airplane by herself with her baby. And if you have a new baby and you're going to go get on an airplane, well, Ashley, you know how that might feel to go hop on an airplane there with little William. You're going to go hop on his airplane and you think, how are they going to act the whole time I'm there? And how's it going to affect everybody around me? And especially when you've got to do it by yourself. I think about my daughter Kelly when she was living in Philadelphia and she was so good about trying to bring Luke, our first grandchild, back home to Oklahoma City. And, and she was always stressed when she was going to go get on that airplane. How was Luke going to act? And she was going to be by herself. Andy was working. Well, that's how Rebecca felt when she got on the plane that morning. It's 5.30 a.m. 5.30 a.m. and the plane was almost packed. And the bad thing was she said everybody was quiet. You're still asleep at 5.30 a.m. And she gets on with little Riley and she goes to her assigned seat and she sits bound by a couple who's already sitting there. And she said, I could tell by their eyes and their body language they were not happy to see me come sit by them. She sat down with little Riley and when she did, Riley woke up and he began to scream. She began to scream. Little Riley was just screaming and screaming. And everything she did, she couldn't make her calm down. Couldn't make her be quiet. And so she started looking around trying to find an empty aisle and she saw one and she spoke to the flight attendant and the flight attendant said, yeah, yeah, come over here. We can maybe let you sit here. And about that time, Nafisha Miller came along. She had a seat on that aisle sitting by the window. And Nafisha came in and she sat down and instead of just kind of curling up to the window and acting like, I don't see you, I don't know you, she turned to Rebecca and said, would you like me to try holding her? 
Oh, I'm trying everything I can do. I just can't get her to, to, to be quiet. I, let me hold her. And so Rebecca handed Riley over to her, and it was like somebody flipped the switch on a faucet, turned off immediately. Little Riley stopped crying, snuggled down into her arm, and went right back to sleep. I mean, Rebecca was thrilled. I mean, thrilled. Oh, my goodness, that's so wonderful. All right, I'll take her back. Oh, no, do you mind? I'd love to keep holding her for a while while we fly. You know, I know as a young mom, you must be tired. Why don't you take a moment just to rest? Really? Yeah, yeah, you just rest. And said she was holding little Riley as we took off, and she held her until we landed in Alabama. And when they landed, she said, here, let me help you get off the plane. And that way, Rebecca could get off the plane and, and she could go and, and get her stroller and get the car seat and put them back together and get the diaper bag without trying to hold a baby in one arm while you're putting it all back together. And finally, they put little Riley down into the stroller. Then they headed off across the airport. Well, she posted on her Facebook page and said, Nafisha Miller, you have no idea how you blessed my life that morning. You were such a blessing. You were so kind. I can't tell you what it meant to me and to everybody on that airplane. (laughs) Thank you for being so kind. Well, when she posted on her Facebook page, I mean, it went viral. More than 100,000 people have seen it now and are liking it and passing it on. And people started hunting down Nafisha Miller and, and hunting her down and calling her and posting about her. And she was so taken back and said, well, I was just trying to be nice. Maybe it reminds us we all ought to see the opportunities to be kind. Nafisha Miller knew it's fun to be nice. But how often we forget It's a message we don't want to hear. It's something we don't want to do or it's somebody we don't think we're going to like. You know, it's why we're asking in the month of October to take the time to sit and think, to listen with your heart to what God has to say. So we together do the right thing. You know, I think about Studio 222 we were telling you about or El Sistema or Rancho Village, our after-school ministries or our mobile meals program or around the world from Honduras to Russia. As a family of faith, we do so much because it's the right thing to be kind and bless life. That's why Peter traveled all the way to, um, to Caesarea to see Cornelius because even though he didn't think he wanted to go and he knew he wouldn't like him he listened with his heart and he went and he was able to see the need and so third when you do the kind thing even though you didn't want to I guarantee it's going to change your heart It changes your heart. It may or may not change the person that you seek to bless, but it'll do something for you. It's the way that it works. For Peter, he didn't want to go to the Gentiles. He knew that he wasn't going to like it, but he did because he knew the right thing to do. 
he listened to God with his heart. And so he went to go be kind. And when he was there and began to see who Cornelius was, his desire to grow in faith, he baptized him. Cornelius becomes the first Gentile to join the early church. This is a significant moment, a hinge point in history to where the church begins to open its doors and say you don't have to be Jewish to be Christian, that every person is a child of God. Whoever wants to profess faith in Christ, you can come be a part of the church. What a significant moment. What Peter did changed Cornelius' life. It changed the church. It changed the world. But it also changed Peter. This last Friday... Marsh and I had to go up to Edmond uh, for a, to a clinic to do a, a health screening. Each year the United Methodist Church wants us to take the time to have blood drawn, check your blood pressure and all these kind of things uh, just to try to help keep us healthy. And so we went up to Edmond to go get our, our, blood, our screening, our health screening. And you know that when you do that kind of thing, you have to fast. That means on the night before you can't eat or drink. And then that morning you're not supposed to eat or drink. And by the time we finally got through at the doctor, about 9 o'clock, we were hungry and thirsty. And so I said, let's stop at Starbucks right here in Edmond and get a cup of coffee and a sandwich. And so we did. We pulled into a Starbucks right there in Edmond to get a sandwich and a cup of coffee. And the craziest thing, half of Edmond was in that Starbucks. I mean, the parking lot was packed. Every seat was taken. The line kind of snaked around. But I was hungry. I was thirsty. We, we stayed there, and it took a while for the line to move, and finally we were next up in line. And this guy in front of us, he gets up in line, and after we've been waiting all this time, he gets there and he goes, hmm. Let me see. What do I want? And I thought, good honk. We've been standing here in line all this time and you hadn't been thinking about it till just this moment? Are you kidding me? Oh, let me see. What do I want? He finally figured out what he wanted and he ordered his sandwich and then ordered a drink. These baristas were running like crazy. And the barista ran back there and made his drink and brought it back. He stood there so calmly and then he said, I'd ask for a non-fat and you use 2%. I don't want that. And I thought, you watched her make the drink and you didn't say anything. You let her make the drink before you tell her you're making a mistake? She ran back. She poured it out. She remade the drink, brought it back. He finally paid for it. And she said, we'll call your name, Al. And he walked out of there. We stepped up next. We ordered our sandwiches. We ordered our coffee. We'll call your name. We walked over where they're supposed to bring it. It was just a couple minutes when they came out and said, Al, and set down his food. But Al had now gone all the way through to the other side of the restaurant, and there he was sitting down by himself at a table, and he didn't hear his name called. Now, I've had that happen. I know you have. You get in there, and you can't hear your name called, and you sit there and sit there and sit there and wonder what the world is going on, and, and your food's sitting there waiting for you. Well, they came and laid our food down about the same time, we were leaving. I was going to eat while I was driving back to the office. And we picked up ours and I saw Al sitting there. And I was working on this sermon. 
So I picked up a sandwich and I kind of started walking through it. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, trying to get through the line. And everybody walked all the way down the side where he's sitting. And I said, Al, I think this is yours. And he looked up at me and said, I I didn't hear him call my name. I said, "I I didn't think that you did. That's why I thought I'd bring it to you. He just looked at me. Never did say thank you. I don't know that it changed his day. I think he was having a bad day. But I turned around and I headed for the door. And when I got to the door, Marcia said, that was nice. And I walked outside and I just got to be honest. I don't know whether it changed his day or not. But when I walked outside, the sky looked bluer. The day looked brighter. I felt different. I felt a greater sense of peace. I found myself smiling. I felt the presence of God. I don't know whether it helped him or not, but it sure made a difference for me because I realized it is fun to be nice. And that's what Peter discovered in a very profound way. Because Peter, he didn't want to go to the Gentiles. He knew he wouldn't like the Gentiles. But he listened with his heart. And God opened his eyes and helped him to see as he traveled to Caesarea to see Cornelius. And when he saw the opportunity to bless life, Peter did the right thing. He baptized Cornelius. It would change his life. It would change the church. It would change the world. And it would change Peter forever. For Peter discovered, even when you don't want to do it, it's fun to be nice. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.